on the cover, an elaborate motorcycle patch is shown sewn into the back of a leather jacket. It depicts a winged, glowing green skull wreathed in the flames of a setting sun. Large letters above and below the skull read, The Tempe Heaven's Hellions. Wonder World Comics proudly presents The Midnighters, Volume 7, Code Midnight, Issue 3, Until the Whole World is Blind. Prepare yourself, dear reader, for another gripping tale of adventure, drama, and self-discovery. This is Wonder World Comics. We open our comic with a panel showing Ryan and Bernadette standing next to each other outside of the hijinks theater, looking up into the sky, watching Neptune uh, fly into the night, carrying the glowing crystal form of Cardigan cradled in her arms. Bernadette is very, very stoic. Um, uh, how does how, how Ryan look? How's Ryan doing right now? I think, um, I think Ryan's calling out to Neptune, like, don't forget to, like, set her up in front of the TV so she can see that show that she really likes. And you should also, I think she would like blankets. So maybe if you made her, like, a little nest of, you know, like, just make sure that she's, like, comfortable and... and Bernadette smiles. And uh, kind of pats you on the shoulder gently and says, uh, I have known Pallas for many years. There is no one I trust more in this world. Uh, Cardigan is in the best possible hands. What happens next is up to her. Ryan's like, yeah, I, I know. I just hope she, uh, I just hope she's okay in there. As do I, child. Cardigan is special, and sometimes the world can be large and dangerous, and yet it is my dearest wish to see her find her own place within it. Come, child, let's go have some tea. Uh, <laughs> is, just, could Patrick be, like, waiting in the car? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, cool. I think, like, across the street, like, yeah, Patrick's just, like, in his pickup truck, like, waiting. And Ryan's just like, oh, oh can, can can Patrick come? Or, like, because I don't know if he'll just, like, be chill to just, like, sit there for... He oh, likes tea. Of course. of course, darling. Run over to Patrick and, like, grab him by the hand and be like, we're having tea with Bernadette, Patrick. Okay, fine. <laughs> T T T T T. How is how's Ryan handling the whole the whole incident? It's been I think this is probably the next that evening or probably the next evening. Probably uh, that evening. I would assume. How is Ryan handling it? I mean, yeah. how does Ryan handle anything like badly? Uh <laughs> Yeah, like she's like she's like really worried about um Cardigan, but she's also like really worried that she left presumably she left Sam and Moonflower like t- together without like a mediator. <laughs> Which can also be dangerous. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So she's Not like, she's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moonflower's, she's worried about Sam. Um, but yeah, so she's like, she just like feels like she's kind of letting down all of her friends right now. Mm-hmm. But not Patrick, because she like called Patrick and you know they're they're pretty chill. Even though she's still kind of a little bit like she's she still kind of wants to bring up the fact that she found like a throw pillow with her name on it from Cardigan in a thrift store that presumably Patrick, you know, had something to do with, but she's just like not quite ready for a fight. Yeah, I don't not, think. <laughs> not right now. Not today. <laughs> I'll save that one for tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, I think we get, yeah, just a nice, cozy, maybe like a cozy shot through, um, like the backstage window into Bernadette's, uh, kind of cozy office where she's brought in a kettle of boiling water and has an assortment of tea set out and cream and sugar. And yeah. Ryan has so many sugars (laughs) in her tea also. Can we yeah. get the, the clink of a spoon in a little in a little cup fully? Oh. Thank you. Okay, all right. I knew I left that coffee cup there for a reason. <laughs> so immersive. Okay. Oh, so yeah, immersive. perfect. And then from that cozy window shot, we turn the page to another. Uh, cozy window um this is a one of the large floor-to-ceiling glass windows of uh belladonna's hq um her kind of penthouse um atop one of the buildings between midtown and between midtown and old town and through it we can see um belladonna seated on uh on a couch kind of that's out in front of her desk kind of next to a coffee table. Uh, where is where's Eden? Is she sitting? Is she standing? Is she pacing? How long has it been since the end of the last issue? Let's say this is the like the next night. Okay, so I think she presumably listened to whatever Sam had to say angrily, but she listened because she's nosy and curious. And I think then she sat in a corner and stewed for, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. And then she called Belladonna um, and showed up at her base with her uh, portable conspiracy board in hand. Um, And I think she ranted for a while. Mm -hmm. She was pacing and ranting about Shopco and Dark Fox and who even knows what else she had a lot on her mind. And then I think she passed out cause she was kind of sleepy. I mean, like fell asleep, passed out um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on the couch. So Belladonna's maybe been trying to decipher her uh, conspiracy board a little while she slept. Okay. Be curious to see how far she got. Cause it's. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we have, so you are uh, waking up on the couch and Belladonna's sitting in kind of another like smaller couch opposite and is uh, just kind of looking over your conspiracy board. She just kind of has it out. It's uh, 
yeah, just kind of taking a look at it. She says, uh, oh, you're awake. It's good. Uh, looks like you have, uh, I don't know what you have here. Are these uh, referring to your teammates? She says, kind of gesturing to your list of code names. Only some of them. I she see. points at, there's a picture of Southpaw on her board with a sticky note over it that just says dead question mark. Uh, <laughs> so she points at that and says, he's not actually dead. Belladonna nods and says, I see. And uh, she picks up a black pen and draws a single black line through the dead question mark. We, we could probably just get rid of the sticky note altogether. We could probably just take him off the board. He doesn't need to be there. So, looks like you have a problem on your hands. Do you have a plan? Not yet. Okay. So then what is your next, what is your goal? What is your current, what's your current objective right now? Find out who's responsible for the shop coup attack. Okay. All right. What are you going to need? I don't know yet. More leads, maybe. All right. Do you have any of those just lying around? You'd be surprised. She says offhandedly as she starts taking notes on a, a legal pad. Uh, all right, more intel. What else? Probably to lay low until we figure out how the shopco was found. Cool. New base of operations, she says, as she writes it down. All right, you said we. Who's laying low with you? I guess all of the Midnighters. KT was kind of living at the shop co. Good. I guess Ryan's got somewhere to go. So, it sounds like you have it's, you have resources. You have ideas. Let's start with finding you a temporary solution and she uh gets up from her uh from where she was seated and kind of walks around behind her desk and uh the her keyboard it's all just like touch screens built into the surface of her desk and she taps some buttons and the windows of the uh of the penthouse go dark and the screens light up with information on them and uh about like a dozen or so different uh little uh, pin kind of points of interest appear on a map scattered around uh, the city. Belladonna says, uh, I have a number of hideouts and uh, safe houses, drop points, secure locations. Anything catch your eye? Um, <laughs> I'm sure Eden can see lots of options, but I cannot. Cool. No worries. We can. We can. Uh, <laughs> we'll, like we'll a work superhero Zillow, or you can just pick a new. Yeah. In the yeah. Yeah. Basically. Okay. We're 
where do you guys want your your temporary HQ to be? This is all this is all Eden. Which one is the closest to Farsec headquarters? Ooh, there are a couple on Paragon Island that she has. She's got one in kind of an older office building. It was like one of the tallest buildings on Paragon Island, like, you know, 50 years ago. Um, And so now it's kind of small by comparison, kind of been shunted off to the side a little bit. But uh, she owns an entire floor of that you could use. She also has a, uh, there's a cove in, uh, around kind of the the limestone rock that it's built on. There's kind of a natural cave that she's sealed off and has just like a little like safe house drop point, uh, like stash there. Submarine entrance? Probably, yeah. It's pretty cool. Now we're going with the office building. All right. Yeah, you don't Uh, want Professor Pirate to be able to get in. <laughs> you know, I had not even considered that, but uh, you're darn right. I don't. Yeah, no, it's it's the it's the practical choice for sure. The mm-hmm. the, the, mm-hmm. the pirate cave is purely would be purely vibes and would be a huge inconvenience every time we wanted to go there or leave there. So, but think of the clout. I mean, it would be sick. It would be sick. <laughs> Is a base well, really about clout? It's about how people feel when they get out of the submarine and realize that they are in your underground bastion. Exactly. This is just more like a villain thing than a hero thing, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I think that more has to do with how caves have been, we'll call it buttonholed. You know, caves have been typecast. They've been like reduced in what they could be you know we don't it's like it's like with wolves you know like all these disney stories with wolves are the bad guys caves are also nefarious but what if caves were represented as warm safe you know refuges just like wolves could be portrayed as cute fluffy wild puppies well we won't know because we're not going to the cave (laughs) <laughs> I, love it. I guess that uh those vibes are just gonna have to be explored at a later date <laughs> um, i thought i was on to something good there but i i mean i you know again I, no no i'm scheming yeah yeah no, I think I, I, I think think the office makes way more sense. I'm not even pushing for the cave. I just like the you cave. guys you guys will find a use for the pirate cave. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Awesome. Belladonna nods and kind of checks it off and uh, crosses out new base of operations on her little list. Says, uh, okay. Well, it sounds like you've got at least the beginnings of a plan now. How's your, how's your team taking things? They're adaptable. You don't sound very confident. I'm going to be honest, I don't know where half of them are. Which always concerns me. See. 
your your teammates are more than just you know gadgets on the tools on the utility belt you can rely on them and you can count on them but you have to be there for them too and if you are going to be the leader of this team that I know that you can be then you need to start trusting your teammates and letting them trust you and she's absolutely shifting your labels oh my yup 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 if you can imagine uh Let's see. I think she is, she's definitely raising your mundane. And? (laughs) And, I mean, it sounds like it's probably your superior. You're going to make me roll to reject it, though. I mean, I'm not making you do anything. No, no, no. You're not not making me. I just will automatically roll to reject just about anything that is lowering superior. That's like a core facet of her identity. <laughs> oh, and I'm insecure right now. That's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'm going to try this. Alright. Roll to reject. That's a six. Drat. So that means I get to mark potential and I don't have to change my (laughs) superior, right? Uh, well, (laughs) about that. Hold up a second. On a miss, their words hit you hard. Mark can the opposite of what? (laughs) Yep, yep. Give a powerful blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the opposite of that. Um, you you do get to mark experience. That you are correct about. Uh, but the words hit you hard. You mark a condition, and the GM will adjust your labels. Ooh, that's fascinating. Never want to hear a GM say that. I <laughs> love shifting Eden's labels. <laughs> I guess I'll mark hopeless. Because that's fitting for right now. Aw, that was the opposite of what Belladonna was trying to make you feel. <laughs> Well, then she shouldn't have tried to shift my superior. <laughs> I probably would have taken any other shift you had suggested. Oh, oh. Selfish, selfish Eden. I mean, I she's think not it, selfish. She is selfish, but she also just, like, knows that she's smart, and that's not always a bad thing. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I think, in, in that case, I think it will... I'm going to increase your freak... And lower your savior. Because you feel that, like, because you're, like, you know Belladonna wants you to be, you know, like, a, a better leader for your team and and all that. But instead, you just kind of feel, like, alienated a little bit and, you know, less less connected to them in, you know, like, your, does that, does that make sense? Yes. Cool. Cool, cool. Um... And I think Eden's going to kind of snap back. I know they're not gadgets on my tool belt. I can actually control those. (laughs) 
you can't control everything, even <laughs> especially people. Instead, says the woman who just tried to shift someone else's labels. Whatever. <laughs> sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, Kaylee, don't, don't mind, just sorry. get to do that, Kaylee. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. It's great. Um, instead, you have to learn to trust them. So uh, we turn the page, and we see KT. Where have you been? Where you couldn't get a signal from your comms. I had been distracted by the Samudira Pasai treasure fleet making its rounds past our solar system. They are led by a minor king. Uh, his name is Yun Ming, and he only controls four galaxies. That's why he's minor? Yes. Not his profession? No. I wish it was his profession. Okay, he, uh, and he is of age, so not that kind of minor either. He uh, he is able to legally buy a flask of Romulan ale. Yes, excellent, excellent. That's what we were. That's what we needed to know. <laughs> is his favorite song on the Romulan musical scale? Does it sort of have a wistful, sorrowful? You know, like does his favorite songs have a kind of a downturn in their melodic structure. Are you familiar with the song Sukiyaki? Oh, yes, of course. That's his that is his favorite song. The mm. the the Earthican 60s recording Sukiyaki. Okay, sweet. He just mm. caught that one on the out on the airwaves out there. Just just as he was bebopping along, boom song about looking up into the sky while it rains so nobody sees your tears. Damn. Oh, right. right. The treasure fleet. Yeah. The treasure treasure fleet is uh, comprised of thousands of warships and freighters 70,000 kilometers long. And uh, they, (laughs) they float from star system to star system looking for uh, civilized planets. They land, they offer uh, various gifts of spices and precious metals with the uh, underlying message that we are powerful enough to absolutely crush you when you uh, accept these gifts. You will pay tribute to us. So it's the galactic mob? Essentially. Due to a uh, very very lucky M-class solar flare from our sun. Their navigation was screwed up just enough that they missed Earth. Didn't know that our system was uh, currently inhabited. Things could have gotten spicy. And for the record, they are legitimate businessmen, you know. Like uh, if, if the business is conquering others, then yes. Quite adroit at it. Bold entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have a a shot of you watching the uh, Samadira Pasai treasure fleet yes. uh, passing through on on its way to uh, extort a nearby system and uh, you fall gently back to earth towards the northern hemisphere 
United States and fall towards New Olympus and towards the Shopco. This has been your your home. Yes. Only to see that it has been horribly damaged. There are laser scoring marks blasting holes through the roof. The part of the front wall where the door used to be is entirely gone. And the whole thing has been uh, taped off with, like, caution tape. That is unfortunate. I would uh, I would like to assess the situation. Absolutely. Go right a- ahead. And roll plus that superior. A, that is a six plus a five plus my superior uh, one. Ooh. Ooh. I have one superior. For a total of 12. Excellent. You assess the crap out of the situation. So on a 10 plus, you get to ask two. And I'll give you just like a, a just because you rolled so high, uh, just kind of in general while you're looking around, you do notice a sort of like a, like a van with like a Farsec logo painted on the side parked like across the street. Um, with like blacked out windows and stuff. And it looks like there's like one or two guys like loading something or like loading some things back into the back of the van as well. But yeah, you get to ask two questions from what here can I use to blank? What here's the biggest threat? What here's in the greatest danger? Who here's the most vulnerable to me? And how can we best end this quickly? Is it just the one Farsec vehicle that I see? Yeah. I would like to bend heat and light a, a little closer to the van mm-hmm. so that I could eavesdrop upon them and figure out how big a threat attacked our uh, eponymous Shopco. Any uh, sort of intel that I can gather. Yeah, uh, so you immediately kind of gather that these two guys are, are part of just like general, like the Farsight cleanup crew, basically, to just come in and, you know, uh, make sure no dangerous high tech stuff is, you know, left lying around and, uh, get everything safe for the, uh, you know, contractors to come in and repair, make repairs or whatever it is that happens next. Uh, they are, yeah, they're talking about, uh, do you see all that machinery he had sticking out of him? That was insane. That must have been Dr. Primeval's work for sure. Uh, I just must have been hell firepower if it was able to blast. Did you see the, the size of the holes through the, the, the shelves there? It's a miracle this place is abandoned. There would have been serious casualties. Um, do they have do they have anything? Let's see. I think one of my questions shall be what here in this van can I use to emit some sort of an energy particle blast? Is there anything that they're scavenging that looks like it was once a particle beam weapon of some sort? Oh, or- yeah. So they've got uh, lots of um, you actually recognize some of the pieces they've been heavily modified since the last time you saw them um look like they've been taken apart and put back together but it is 
unmistakably like repurposed parts from headcanon that are in here attached to some sort of like high energy output cannon device that is uh um the the energy source is like turned off right now uh it's like been it's been badly damaged but the uh there's several different large catapult beam emitters um that they have salvaged as well he had yeah you say the energy source has been damaged is it big enough for me to wrap my spindly little fingers around um yeah yeah it's the size of like a it was kind of like a like a backpack it was like built in and attached to his back are they facing the inside or the outside of the van currently um they're just uh loading some tools and stuff into the back of the van so they're kind of yeah facing each other towards the inside of the van okay okay i would like to float over to the front of the van and attempt to touch the engine and phase it through the frame and into the parking lot beneath their van disabling the vehicle awesome go ahead and uh roll plus freak to unleash your powers plus my freak that is going to be a four plus a two plus a one for a total of seven heck yeah (laughs) so on a hit you do it on a seven to nine, you can mark a condition, or I can tell you how the effect is unstable or temporary. I shall take the guilty condition and hope I don't roll bad anymore tonight, because that brings me up to four conditions. Ooh. Um, guilty, because, uh, I don't know, had I been here, I might have been able to do something. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so invisible KT sticks their spindly little arm through the hood of the van, and the whole thing suddenly tilts backwards as it is now uh, the weight of the engine block is no longer inside the front of it, and there's a, a very subtle just kind of as it phases out of its fastenings and straight through the asphalt beneath you where it continues to plummet. The the two guys in the back like jump back and like one of them yells, what the hell is that? And they one gets in the car to 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 try and pop the hood open and they like flip the hood open and the entire the engine block is just gone. There's just a giant like you know uh, uh, washing machine sized hole while they are fiddling with that, I would like to scooch my way into the back of the van and snatch that power supply. Absolutely. Yeah, they're totally distracted. I think it's uh, it's yours for the taking. And uh, I guess with nothing else available at the Shopco, I think I shall go to... The only other secure place I know of, which would probably be the Vindicator's headquarters. Interesting. Awesome. Specifically, if I recall correctly, uh, the the room that the Mantis usually haunts. 
Yes. Awesome. So we get a uh, shot of the still translucent KT soaring skyward with the power supply clutched in their spindly little arms as they uh, fly over the the bay towards the lighthouse sitting on the island in the middle, guarding the entrance. And we turn the page. Uh, Sam. So I was, I was kind of imagining this is like you coming back to like the burger shack for the first time since your absence. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that Sam and Waldo are just going to walk up like, uh, you know, but up to, you know, not in the back, like an employee or anything, just up to mm-hmm. the front. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. And, uh, Ren is yelling, where the hell have you been, Sam? I've been stuck here working double shifts trying to cover for you. You mean this whole time Carl didn't even ever hire anyone more on? I don't know. You're going to have to go talk to Carl. I'm not even sure you have a job here anymore, dude. Yeah, no, I mean, I figured that, but it's like, it's a burger shack, right? But it's honestly, I mean, at least Carl gave you a raise, right? Like probably a big raise, I hope. Huh. You're you're funny. You're telling me he just gave me, gave you all my hours that I've been gone for like a month. Or, I mean, sidebar, do we decide how long it had been? I think time works really weird in the Feywild between oh, dimensions yeah, that's, pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. Is our official answer. <laughs> well, uh, so for however long I've been... Actually, hold on, that plays out. So Sam's like, so you're telling me that this whole time Carl just was giving you all my hours for how long? Days? Weeks? A month? Two months? And he didn't, you know, you didn't get anything extra other than don't tell me you didn't pay your overtime. We got we got to take a look at your pay stubs. Make sure you got paid. I'm starting to get pissed off. I'm sorry. This isn't why I came here. I did come here to, though to say hi and to let you know that you know, that me and Waldo are okay. Yeah, I was going to say, you just dropped off the face of the earth. What happened? Uh, well, when you say face of the earth, that sort of gives it a spatial element that doesn't quite work, but that's more or less what happened. Yeah, pretty much. I can't even tell when you're joking anymore. I'm going to assume at some point she notices that my eyes are like different and that I'm like, you know, 10% more beefy and like, you know. The, the mm-hmm. like subtly mm-hmm. weird things that are different about Sam. Yeah, I think she, right about now she's starting to pick up on that. She does kind of give you uh, a look, a concerned look. Says, uh, look, there were some guys who came here the other day that were, were asking where you were. I, uh, I didn't tell them anything, so I had no idea, but Sam, are, you in some kind of trouble? No, probably probably Waldo's in trouble. I'm sure they were looking for Waldo, right, buddy? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, oh, now hold on. Did they leave like a card? Who you know? Is it probably some like federal spooks? Probably you know Men in Black type deal. They flashed that little light in your eyes. No, no, they were some scary looking biker dudes. Biker dudes. Oh shit! What'd they say? Ask me if this was where Sam Seward worked. They wanted to talk to you. They say where I could find them. They've been back. They've been bothering anyone around here. I don't know. That was the first time I saw them. I said, you hadn't been around and I had no idea where you were. And then they left. Okay. Well, thanks for letting me know. Uh, in the meantime, uh, where is Carl? Is he up at his place? Is he up at his office? What do you, you know? Yeah, he's, you, in, he he's in his office. He's in his um, office. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sam's going to march back into that office. Seaward, where the hell have you been? Hey, Carl. Um, listen, man. I am sorry that I didn't give you notice, but, you know, some life stuff came up and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I was just talking to Ren, and uh, seems like you've been getting a lot of burgers, a lot of fries, a lot of sodas sold here at this beach stand, and uh, that basically none of it would have been happening without Ren. And and Sam sort of like before Carl can stand up or anything, Sam sort of is like pretty forcefully starts like going through papers and stuff on his desk and like eventually pulls out a ledger and sort of like starts pointing and said, you know what? I think that, uh, yeah, I think this here says that you could probably afford to, uh, to pay rent a whole lot more. In fact, Carl and, uh, and Sam makes a really intense eye contact with Carl. And, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if, you know, Carl starts kind of shaking in his britches or not, or, you know, what his, what his stats would sort of indicate to the, to the DM. But, uh, um, but, but Sam says, in fact, Carl, I think you're going to want to go ahead and give Ren half the business. Yeah. We can make it official. We can put it on paper. You're going to give Ren half the business. And you're going to give 10% of your profits to whatever homeless person needs a meal coming out of the uh, warehouse district or coming out of Skid Row or wherever they might be coming from. If they come upon this pier, you got to give you got to give them a free burger. And I think, Carl, that's how it's going to be for you from now on. And I'm, and I'm, I'm doing I'm doing a thing to him. I figured you were. Uh, what are you doing, Mr. Seaward? Um, I think as I'm, as I'm giving him this speech and bearing down on him with intense eye contact that I start to construct like a future vision for Carl where he continues to stiff Ren and stiff all of his hourly employees and that someday a little bit after that 
the sky is cloudy and things are on fire and Carl is stumbling out the back of his office and looking down the boardwalk and seeing a mass of people uh, with banners and masks and um, body armor and, and marching down against him and he turns the other way and it's a bunch of cops and, you know, riot shields and, you know, all that kind of shit. And he's right in between them and, and everything surrounding him is filled with like tear gas and he starts to cough and cry and, uh, the cops converge on him. The mob converges on him and, uh, and then he kind of snaps back to where he is and, um, sees, at least I hope sees the good in, uh, following the path that I'm offering him. Go ahead and roll to unleash your powers. Okay. It's 10. Boom. How the heck you do it? So, uh, Carl stumbles back, uh, holding his head. Says, uh, I know what the hell you think you're doing here. You've been causing me nothing to get. Get the hell out of here. And uh, he looks very kind of troubled and kind of disturbed by what he saw and uh, is giving some serious thought to what he has seen. Okay. Sam walks out the office and uh, on his way out, he walks by Carl's like gleaming, perfect $70,000 like crew max uber max 3500 gmc and and as he walks by all of the tires just start to deflate (laughs) as you are kind of admiring your handiwork you hear uh a rumbling of motorcycles approaching and a voice yells out Sam Seward! Samuel Seward, is that you? Sam sort of turns over his shoulder and gives him a, you know, a a dismissive eye, and then he turns all the way around, and Waldo comes and sits by him, and and Sam says, uh, Who's asking? Listen here, son. We don't want no trouble. We're not going to hurt you with nothing. We are just here looking for your Uncle Aubrey. Now, we were just talking to your father, and he said that you had been in contact with him and might know where to find him. Sam let us know where old Aubrey is, and we'll be right on our way. Um, Sam's face hardens into stone and, uh, I think in comic book sort of, uh, parlance, it would be like the shading on the brow, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Brow Mm -hmm. gets more Mm -hmm. shaded inexplicably. Mm -hmm. Dramatic lighting. uh, Yeah. Dramatic lighting. And, uh, 
Sam says, uh, I tell you what, meet me at uh, 40th and Bosch in the Cannery District at midnight, and uh, I'll see if I can find out anything about my Uncle Aubrey. And, uh, hey, you said you talked to my father? Who talked to my father? Oh, just me and some of the boys. Huh. He told y'all to come look for me. Look, what do you want me to say? He, it didn't take much to get him to talk. Don't take it personal. Look, we're just looking for your uncle. And this can all be in the past. All right. You know the time and place. Meet me there. I'll see what I can find out. Yeah. Better not me pulling our leg here, Sam. Look you at know me. better than to Look trust me the my dog. Look at me and my dog. What are we going to do to all of you big, tough motorcycle guys? What's your name, by the way? You know mine. And uh, he grins, and as he does, the uh, bones in his like uh, collar and neck, like the top of his rib cage and his skull, start to glow with this like radioactive green light. And uh, he smiles. The name's Radiator. I'll see you tonight, Sam. Don't disappoint me. So Sam watches them roll out on their uh, motorcycles. You know, they do one by one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They go off. And as soon as he's sure that they're clear, he, like, takes off running. Awesome. Uh, Who does does he... Where's he going? Who's he going to call? He gets on the... He gets on the... The comms. Um... And he says, uh, Moonflower, uh, Midnighters, uh, I don't know who all is out there still monitoring this channel, but uh, I need your help. Editor, question. Mm. Does KT pick that up on the comms? Yes. I think you were back in near enough to Earth orbit. I would like to, uh, I would like to Return. Or no, you are um you're over at the Shopco right now. Ah, gotcha. Before is that before or after I started making my way towards the lighthouse? Uh we'll say during. During, alrighty. <laughs> I would like to come I would like to come to a complete stop midair and uh ask Lord Southpaw, what is your general location? I'm down on the boardwalk, and I'm running for, I'm not sure yet, either the library or Paragon Island or um, hopefully somewhere where uh, Moonflower and uh, and Ryan and, and Midas and who, again, who, I don't, I don't know. I, I actually don't know where I'm running. I'm just starting running. You you hear like a heavy sigh from Moonflower. 
Well, are you going to the library or Paragon Island? Because those are in opposite directions. You've lived here for months. <laughs> where where are y'all? I'm on Paragon Island. Oh, just while Sam's been uh, playing the ghost of capitalism yet to come, Eden's been <laughs> setting up a little um, welcome to the new base surprise for the Midnighters. Okay, so, so yeah, she's so, on Paragon Island. Yeah, I want yeah. Sam running across the bridge. You know, again, it's sort of a tradition of his to run across the bridge. There we but go. But this time he's running like mad fast, like super fast. Yeah, he's like he's passing cars. Yeah. So yeah, it's like he's so you um, Moonflower is like um, I'm I'm on Paragon Island at X Y Z. And like two and two minutes and thirty seconds later, Sam's there, like eight miles, you know. Yeah, I think if Sam is coming, she'll maybe like she's been out and about. She is setting something up, um, yeah. just what she's been up to. So yeah, I think he does the sort of skids to a sideways stop on his feet in front of the front door. Sam. Maybe says early on in this, he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn on my location services, so y'all should be able to see a ping where Mia Waldo is at." How does Ryan react to hearing all this? Uh, depends where Ryan is. <laughs> depends how long all of this has been going on, because it's still the evening. Am I still having tea with Bernadette? Yeah, probably. Unless you want to be somewhere else. Yeah, I guess I can be having tea with Bernadette. Probably do a spit take. Yeah, yeah, you hear Sam's voice in your head, in your ear, asking for help, and, and spit tea. Yeah. <laughs> Bernadette and Patrick both give you a, a questioning look. Uh, I think um, Ryan will, like, grab a napkin or something, or if there's no napkins, like, a corner of the tablecloth. And oh, there dab. are napkins. Okay, yeah, t- dab the like tea that's now all over his super suit um <laughs> she'll like stand up and be like thank you thank you for the thank you for the tea thank you. I, I gotta um i think i have to go and help the rest of the team bernadette patrick look at each other and he kind of gives her like a, a tired look and she kind of gives him a glare sighs he turns and looks at you and says you need a ride? That would be nice, but I don't want to, you know, stop you from enjoying your tea and everything. Bernadette kind of stands up and grabs one of your hands with both of hers. And says, uh, thank you for coming, Doug. It's wonderful talking with you. Please, uh, sounds like your friends need you. I think Ryan kind of like is like, yeah, I, I I hope they're my friends. I don't know. I guess you could call them your you know, friends. What are friends really? It's hard to tell when they when they haven't really told you, but you know, I, I guess we're uh we're maybe we'll be friends. It sounds to me like they might already be your friends, Bernadette says with a knowing smile. Yeah, now go. Sounds like there is superhero work that needs doing. And uh, 
I think the last panel of our comic comic shows everyone arriving at the the new base. So I think we'll start with Eden. What does kind of the outside of this building look like, and what is the new temporary base? Yeah, what's the setup like? Is it nighttime? Can it be nighttime? It is nighttime. Yes, absolutely. Excellent. So Eden's going to meet them at the bottom of this building that is definitely a little bit older, and it's certainly not the tallest building in Paragon Island um, in this area. But it is kind of like older in like a fun way where it's got like some cool stonework on it down at the bottom. And yeah, like it's, it's reasonably well kept up. It's got like a lot of brass. For it. There's like a very specific era of building I'm trying to describe. <laughs> but, yeah. So that's the building that we are in. Front cool. Of. Awesome. And uh, what does everyone look like as they show up? As the uh, the team gets together, as it were. Uh, start with um, Sam. How do you arrive? Um, just running. Him and him and uh, Waldo are running. Sam's just wearing a white t shirt and jeans and Chuck Taylors, and he's kind of huffing and puffing, but. Just running, just runs, and like I said, runs up, does the slide stop in front of this. It's like a bit like big, like stone building, sort of you know, like uh, a little huff and puff, a little like kind of wipe the sweat off your brow, wipe the that stray strand of hair from the from the forehead type deal. Badass. And I think Waldo runs right up to Moonflower on the front door of whatever this is to say hello. Of course he does. Even though, yeah. He's excited to see her. Not to jump up on her or anything, but sort of like runs around. Sort yeah. Of just a little, little, butt, little bit butt tap, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, mm-hmm. she, she'll she be less grumpy for Waldo. Oh, okay. Well, that's she'll, good. like, We're scratch his head and okay. yeah, yeah, little okay. scratches behind his ears. It's, it's hard yeah, to be Wal- grumpy. And Waldo does Waldo. that. That's what he's coming in for. He's yeah, like, oh, yeah. I'm good for a little ear scratcher here. I mean, it's, it's also like a good excuse for her to not like have to look at Sam, which she's right. still mad at him. So yeah, no, no, yeah. she's she's she and Waldo yeah. are good. It's a yeah win win for everyone. Yeah. Um, how is uh, KT arriving? KT shall materialize through the wall with the uh, with the damaged power supply orbiting around themselves before they gently land and place the. Uh, place the power supply on the floor and then walk over to everyone else. And how does Ryan show up at the new digs? I mean, Patrick gave him a lift, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. He wanted one. Rumbly pickup truck just like stops and then there's like Ryan jumping out and like slamming the door and then like leaning in through the window being like Yes, I know. Yes, I will call you. Yeah, thank you so much for the lift. Yep, I uh, I guess uh, this is where I'll be. So, like, yeah, at least now you, you, know, you, you can, you know. But I got my phone on. It's charged. I charged it. Bernadette, let me borrow a charger so it's all charged. All right, Park kid. a block away so my friends don't see me, Dad. 
<laughs> no, I love my Uncle Patrick. I don't care if everyone sees me getting out of his truck. All right, kid. Take care of yourself. Be smart. You know I won't. I love you. Love you too, kid. He kind of gives you a leans over and gives you a one armed hug. All right, Moonflower, how badass do you look? Uh, welcoming everyone to your new base. I think Eden is actually not um, in Moonflower. She has been out running errands of sorts. Sure. Um, so she is just in a pretty quiet like i mean i i think she's just kind of got her hair pulled back really simple and like she's just wearing a lot of black as per usual um on brand yeah and i i think she's just kind of been standing there waiting for everyone that she is expecting to show up and she just kind of nods around back um and says we're taking the service elevator I love it. She's going to walk towards the service elevator. I'm just going to assume they followed me. Um, Eden takes everyone up to what floor is our... Whatever floor you want it. I would love for it to be the 13th if we could. Sure. We can make that happen. Office buildings not have a 13. And that's part of why I think it's a good one for Farsec to kind of be put, or not Farsec, sorry, for Belladonna to have a secret location. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that floor is safe for like conspiracies. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Anyway, kind of like, if you thought you were on, if you're in an office building that tall, you don't ever actually know which floor you're on other than what the elevator tells you to. Yeah, exactly. totally. Yeah. So no one would be sitting on the 14th floor thinking they're actually on the 13th. Um, okay. So she is going to come in um, off this service elevator and just start. Well, no, she she's only going to kind of flip on one light. And she looks for her excited and almost, I, I want to use the word giddy, but also you need to understand this is by like Eden's standard so she's like almost got half she looks awake she looks awake yeah (laughs) um she's not actively glowering at anyone um and and that that seems a little out of place because this is like a fairly boring looking office at the moment um there's some boxes and it looks like she's kind of been moving some stuff around um there there's a bed for waldo in one of the cubicles Mm -hmm. and she has and I don't know why she's done this, but she has assigned everyone a cubicle. Sam's has a broken swivel chair in it. <laughs> um, but but she's she's going to kind of ignore that for now. Um, and she's going to walk over to the, the big windows on the side of the floor that is facing the Farsec building and say, I don't know whatever is going on with whatever you're running from, but you got here just in time for the light show. And Eden has been setting up. Well, Eden (laughs) believes that the shop co was attacked because someone found out her identity. And as of right now, the only person she knows who knows her identity is dark Fox. So she's maybe a little mad at him and wanting to 
get his attention. So she has around the Farsec building set up all these projectors that are on a timer that are just going to start going off and flashing Dark Fox's logo onto the Farsec building. Nice. And yeah, we like you just see one projector will flash it up and then like another one will. And, um, and then at, at kind of the end of this light show, there's just one more projector that flashes. Do I have your attention yet on the building? Farsec is, is freaking, freaking out right now. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. what Eden's been up to. Wonderworld Comics is an actual play podcast of Masks, A New Generation by Brendan Conway. This issue was GM'd by Michael Dunham, who can be found on Twitter at Galvanic Man. Moonflower is played by Kyra Nelson, who can be found on her Twitter at Kyra M. Nelson. Mighty Briar is played by Kaylee Newberry, who can be found on their Twitter at Kaylee underscore Newberry. Southpaw is played by Charlie Smiley, who can be found on his Instagram at Big Sky Charlie. Wonderworld Comics is produced by Michael Dunham, and it is edited by Michael Dunham. The music is from Dvorak Symphony number no. 9. Do you have questions or comments? You can get a hold of us on Twitter at WWComicsPodcast or send us an email at WWComicsPodcast at gmail.com.